You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Shelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. We are, for this, for this fall, this t- starting today, we are starting um, back into the narrative lectionary. Like many churches across many different uh, traditions, we're using a schedule of readings uh, that move us through the arc of Scripture so that we can grasp the whole narrative of the Bible um, just by um, hearing from different voices and genres, not just my favorite passages. So we're, we're reading along with many others um, through this narrative lectionary, and in the fall, we start with We start at the beginning of the narrative in Genesis. But I want to take a minute to catch us up uh, on where we're picking up because we're starting in Genesis 12 this year. And a lot happens in the first 12 chapters of Genesis. So this is past the creation narrative and many generations have passed since the creation of the world and humankind. And we, we see in this story of these first chapters that the creation project has gone terribly wrong. There's a growing disharmony and violence. Humans are doing more harm than good. And we see a creator who is deeply grieved. And then there's a story of the great flood. And many cultures have uh, a flood narrative But in contrast to um, another god um, who is acting in vengeance or maybe to destroy humanity for population control or something, this this flood story that we have been given tells of a story of a god, again, who is deeply grieved. Like a troubled parent who grieves over the alienation of creation. Instead of the blessing and the beauty that the creator intended, things devolved into chaos and violence. And the creator is moved to preserve the creation by intervening to start over. And to begin again through one family. So the flood happens, and Noah and his family, along with pairs of every living creature, step out of the ark, the boat that had sustained them through the flood, into a new beginning. And the creator makes a promise with them to never again flood the earth. This level of destruction will never again happen. And that never again is a a guarantee of God's being with and being for God's creatures. And then generations pass, and the clans of Noah's sons, uh, according to their lines of descent, form nations, and eventually spread out over the earth. And from the scattered people, God began to focus on walking with one particular family, And we pick up with their story in Genesis 12. 
So the, the God, I know that's a lot, and it's a very brief summary, but the God who called the world into being is now calling two specific people, Abram and Sarah, Sarai. God is working toward the harmony that God created with God's creation through them. And the purpose of this call is to form an alternative community. In this new family, all of humanity will be blessed. So let's read this passage from Genesis 12, verse 1 through 9. I have it up here on the the slides for us. Someone willing to read? I'll bring the microphone to you. Thanks, Aaron. Here you go. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Abram left just as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran, and Abram took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all their possessions, and those who came, became members of their household in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as the sacred places at Shechem, at the Oak of Morah. The Canaanites lived in the land at that time. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I give this land to your descendants. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. From there he traveled toward the mountains east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and worshiped in the Lord's name. Then Abram set out toward the arid southern plain, making and breaking camp as he went. Thanks, Aaron. So this, this story of what God is going to do in and through Abram and Sarai begins with a leaving behind that you heard in that passage. Abram hears a call to go somewhere different. This is not a call to do something different in the place where he is, but a call to go somewhere new. Leave your land, your family, and your father's household. And they have an established life. Abram is 75 years old. Uh, and this, this involves his whole household, their possessions, um, those who have become members of their household in Haran, they're moving a whole life with no backup plan. They're not leaving things behind in case it doesn't work out. Um, Abram is all in. He left just as the Lord told him. So this alone is a tremendous act of faith. God, God's plan is an unknown future as far as Abram is concerned. Go to the place, the land that I will show you. There, there is a concrete blessing, but the call to move on to something new that God will show him 
is very vague and imprecise. He doesn't know what the, where the destination is. But he trusts God's plan is to send him to, to a place that will be good for him. There's a few details in the chapter right before this uh, of his family of origin that help to paint more of a picture and give us some contact, context. Abram and his father and their households had all been on the way to Canaan, but they settled in Haran. In chapter 11, verse 32, Terah, Abram's father, and, and his whole family unit says they left from Ur of the Chaldeans for Canaan, but when they got to Haran, they settled there. This place, Haran, happens to have the same name that Terah's dead son of Terah's dead son, Haran, whom Terah had lost back in his native land. So it isn't too hard to imagine. We don't see this clearly in the text, but it's not too hard to imagine that Terah is grieving. And instead of continuing to move, he settles in a land that shares the name of his dead son. Terah's older son, Abram, other son, excuse me, is married to an infertile wife. The text says Sarai was unable to have children. So for him and his family, in some ways this may seem like an ending to a story. But Abram is willing to follow God's call to move into what's next. He trusted God to build an unknown new life in an unknown future in an unknown or unfamiliar territory. And this is the promise that he had from God. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. First of all, uh, a great nation means numerous people, right? It, Abram's wife, Sarai, can't have children. But God is here promising to give this land to his descendants that he doesn't have. And it's a twofold blessing to, for a family and a place for them. Also, God is saying that I will make your name great. You will be respected. We didn't cover this story, but if you are familiar with it, this is in contrast to the, the, the Tower of Babel, where people wanted to make a name for themselves. This happened already in Genesis. They wanted to make a name for themselves, but here God is starting over through Abram and Sarai, and it is God who will make a great name for them. And God's saying, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. All the families, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. Well, what about the curse? Cursing those who curse you. That's in there too. 
If you notice the way um, it is uh, in the text, it's inset, which is a signal to us that it is a different kind of literature. Um, it's, it's set in like poetry. So it's helpful to notice and approach it differently than the rest of the text that we're reading. If you're having a reaction to that word, let's just start with the overall picture that God is saying, I'm on your side. And if the blessing would end there, I will, I will, those who curse you, I will curse. Um, it kind of sounds like it's set up like a tit for tat, but it all, it goes to all the families of the earth will be a blessing. So the vision of this blessing is that all the fam is, is for all the families of the earth. God is blessing Abram in order to bless the world. That's the end game of this blessing. So God is sending him to be among the families of the earth so that others will experience God's blessing through them. That's important context to hold on to as we read that there are people living in the land at that time, the Canaanites. Um, this may call to mind domination of land that others are inhabiting. And there is that in the Bible. Um, but if we just stick to this text in this passage right now, it's very clear that this is not about fighting. God is not directing Abram to exterminate a people group or to dominate them or even to convert the Canaanites. Abram is called to a life there to be lived out among the people who don't share his values. And though he's instructed not to marry or take on the ways of the Canaanites, his presence there is meant to be a blessing. Generations later, it will go in the other direction. But for now, this is the, the, the blessing and the direction that God is giving him. And in order to receive that blessing, Abram must leave his home and his family, extended family. He brings his household. Uh, again, it's an ending of sorts to travel to a place that God has not yet shown him. It's a very vague, as we said, vague and imprecise direction. God asked Abram to make his home among the foreigners when he got there and to share a blessing that was to come. That faith and trust in God are critical to the fulfillment of the blessing that God is giving with, through which all the families of the earth will be blessed. As a church community, we have discerned God's call to leave our denomination, to leave familiar territory, and how we've done things because we believe there's more to God's liberation for us than what we've been living into. 
we've been stuck in familial patterns and have heard the call to trust and to keep moving into new territory. You may be in the midst of your own ending or new beginning yourself. What does it feel like when, when we think about being called by God? What does, what does that bring up for you? My cell group that Aaron was talking about, my cell group met this week and we were talking about different endings and beginnings in our own lives. Um, we are not Abram. But there is there, his example of faith and trust in God to believe the promises that God had for him and to make through him brought up the questions and the tensions that we have in our own lives currently about what it means to trust God, to believe God's promises, and to be a blessing ourselves. There's a lot of tension in unknowns of new beginnings. It requires faith to, and trust to move with God in the space between what is old and what is new. So I'm, I have a, just three things that I think might be helpful that my cell was offering as we were talking about this. Um, as, we, as we move with God in the space between endings and beginnings. So first of all, just notice the scared you. Someone in my cell said this directly. I just have to notice the scared me. The unknown is often scarier than what is known. To move into what God is calling us to next can bring up a lot of emotion. And moving in faith doesn't mean that we're not going to feel any of those particular emotions. You can fill in the blank. It might not be scared. You might want to notice uh, the overwhelmed you, or the angry you, or the depressed you. And the wisdom of myself was that we need to talk about that. In the space between beginnings and endings, even when we're moving in faith, there can be a lot of emotions. So be honest. Be honest with... Um, being honest might mean admitting this isn't what I imagined my life would look like at this point. Or I'm hurt, I'm angry when people I love don't move with me. This is harder than I expected. What if I don't see the fruit of this work? You can add to that from, from your perspective. Notice the scared you. When we're moving in faith to keep moving with God, we have to hold on to the truth that God will be with you where God takes you, even though you don't know where that will be. So it's okay to notice the scared you, the grieving you, the fearful you, but don't get stuck there. 
keep moving. The second thing my cell offered was to use your body. Our bodies are an important tool to help us move through endings and beginnings in healthy and concrete ways. And in this passage, Abram stops at Moreh and Bethel. The first stop is a sacred place at Shechem, the Oak of Moreh. And Abram built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. And then the second stop is at Bethel. In verse 8, he traveled toward the mountains east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And there he built an altar to the Lord and worshiped in the Lord's name. There's this string of encampments as he follows God's call. Abram is doing this thing where he stops and acknowledges the holy places and then moves on from them. He doesn't set up a permanent place to live. He, he does stop to be present to the holy places along his journey. And Mycel was noting that our bodies can help us stop to be present to the presence of God with us. Several people noted the ways that we can kind of set up camp in our own heads and stay there, spiraling. But our bodies help us to experience God and to get in touch with the presence of God. Sometimes physical spaces, like a tree or the mountains or the water, can be important touch points for us. When you sense God's presence, stop and physically respond. But we can also use physical action to help us move with God to get out of our heads, if you're feeling stuck there. And marking those moments tangibly, like lighting a candle, returning to a place, creating art, doing something for, for worship. Um, can help us move in the unknowns and the tensions that we feel and the questions that we have. Staying with the presence of God, marking what is holy, will help to ground us as we move into what's next. Moving to a new place in your life and as a community takes time. We need practices that ground us and help us to be connected all the way through the transitions. And then the last uh, word of wisdom is to be a blessing. Mycel was talking about living as um, the truest version of themselves. To be, someone said, I want to be what I promised to be to obtain what's been promised to me. As we unpacked that together, um, It takes some work to be a blessing to others in the midst of circumstances that are stretching and challenging us. It helps to remember the ways in which we have been blessed. The blessing of plenty, 
shared with those who are in need, the blessing of healing shared with those who are sick and wounded, the blessing of joy shared with those who grieve, or excuse me, shared with those who celebrate, and the blessing of tears with those who grieve, the blessing of friendship shared with those who are excluded, and solidarity with others who fight injustice, the blessing of peace for those who are in conflict, and confrontation shared with those who bring harm. In these ways, may our faith and our sharing help to bring about God's promises in our world. We are blessed not just for ourselves, but in order to be a blessing to others. When we think about what it means to be called by God, in what ways have you been blessed in order to be a blessing? In what ways have we been blessed in order to be a blessing? Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhope.net.